Well, last week, uh, James started a new series that we're here in the month of January, 2020 Vision, Seeing Clarity in the New Year. And uh, yeah, we just couldn't resist 2020 vision. I know probably every, we thought about that and I thought like every church is going to do 2020 vision, right? We can't, and we're not going to do this, right? Uh, but we're like, it's just too easy. We have to do 2020 vision, start the year with that, talk about that. Uh, appreciate James preaching last week, did a great job. Uh, his first time preaching on a Sunday morning, which was wonderful. Uh, when I started preaching, I was thinking back to my first time preaching. Uh, I preached when we had Sunday night services. And I remember going to Sunday night services. Yeah, if you went to Sunday night services, a lot of times you heard the B-League. Uh, you heard, yeah, you heard those of us that were students, that were learning to preach, youth group preachers, uh, you, everyone got their chance to preach. But I was grateful for that because I got the chance to kind of grow and, and preach messages and learn how to preach without the pressure of being in front of big church on Sunday morning. Uh, we don't have Sunday night anymore, so James has to come out here last week, and uh, he did great. He did fantastic. I watched it last week from Texas where we were with my in-laws and, and really enjoyed seeing him uh, bring the Word of God, but also you being able to uh, understand and see him communicate the Word of God as well. We are committed to developing preachers here at Mount Hope. Um, that's why we have two locations, but we have live preaching at both locations, and we have uh, multiple members on our communication team, and we're continuing to always try to raise up new communicators of God's Word. That's what we're committed to. We believe that God has called us to do that. So, James, will get another chance to preach, uh, and you'll see others, too, that'll have an opportunity to bring God's Word as we develop preachers of the Word of God. We are in this series uh, this morning, and let me uh, start out by, as we continue in this series, telling you a little bit of a story. Last uh, summer, my family and I, we were on vacation, and we went to lunch. And we were going to lunch, and it was kind of a nice place, not overly nice, but one of those places you don't go to every day. And so when you have a we're going to go and have a nice meal, and I don't know about you, but when you're going to have a nice meal at a restaurant, I thought, well, I'm going to make sure I get something I really like, because I'm going to pay a little extra for this, and it's going to be a little extra money, so I'm going to make sure that whatever I get is going to be something I definitely enjoy. So I take a little time, you know, looking at the menu, and if you've been out to eat with me, you know I usually take a little time looking at the menu, and then just end up ordering what I always order. But anyways... I take a little time, I'm looking at the menu, I'm reading out everything, I narrow it down to a subset of topics, you know, that I might get, and then I narrow that down a little more, then I kind of take a poll of the table, ask what everyone else is getting, finally decide on something that I'm going to order, and read it thoroughly, know exactly what I'm going to get. I honestly can't remember the entree that I ordered, but I'll tell you what I do remember, and here's, here's, here's where I'm telling you the story, because I remember when it came out. And when the entree came out, whatever it was, I can't remember, I, all I remember was that it was on top of what it was on top of. Because the entree came out on top of a vegetable that will remain nameless that I do not prefer. And had that vegetable been listed on the menu, I definitely would have noticed it, that it was there. Now here's where the story goes a little sideways, because if you ask a member of my family, it may be a little different story of how things went from here. The way I remember things from here is I calmly, but maybe a little assertively, maybe a little too verbally, 
pleaded my case to the waiter that this was not on the menu listed like this. He uh, asserted that it was, and I uh, continued my case a little bit, and then I think he walked away and things went on from there. Now, if you were to ask one of my kids what happened on that day, uh, they will call it the, you know, the great vegetable instance of 2019, where dad basically turned over the tables in the restaurant... Just totally dressed down this guy and embarrassed him and, and, and totally made a huge scene in the restaurant to do this. And I don't quite remember it that way. Somewhere in between there lies the truth of what happened. I can't say I'm completely proud of my actions that day, whatever they were. But I do remember this statement that my son made to me after the waiter had walked away. His statement was, nice job, pastor. <laughs> And I couldn't really argue with him. <laughs> I think I apologized, but I'm not sure, honestly, if I did or not. But here's the thing. That happens sometimes where we don't always live and act consistently like we would want to, right? I hope that's not just me. Or maybe I should hope it's just me, but I'm guessing it's not just me. That at times that you also have either done or said something that was not really consistent with who you are and who you want to be, especially as a follower of Jesus. And I want to talk this morning for a few minutes about having that consistency and how do we find it. I want you to consider this statement here. Those who live with clarity live with consistency. Those who live with clarity live with consistency. When you are clear on who you are and where you're going and what you're about, you can live then a consistent life with that. I saw a news story last week. I was watching, uh, happened to, I wasn't even really watching the news, but I saw uh, President Jimmy Carter. They were doing a story on President Jimmy Carter. I think he just got out of a surgery. To be honest, before I saw that news story. I couldn't even have told you if Jimmy Carter was still alive. But he is, if you're not sure. He's 95 years old. Oldest living U.S. president. 95 years old. And he was out. He, first of all, he had a black eye in this news footage. And he was out building, like working power tools on a Habitat for Humanity house at 95 years old. And then, uh, and they were talking about he recovered from a surgery, I guess, that he had to have because he was going out hunting and at 95. Um, that's a story on its own, I guess. But, but here's the point. Jimmy Carter knows who he is, and so he lives consistently with who he is. So he's 95 or whatever he is. It doesn't matter. He's going to build houses because that's what he's about. He went to church last Sunday because that's what Jimmy Carter does on Sundays because he knows who he is, and he lives consistently with that. When you have clarity on who you are, you live your life consistent with that. I mean, this is, this is not even a, a Christian thing. This is just a thing thing that's a truth of life. That everyone, whether you're a Christian or not, understands that when you have clarity, you can live with consistency. Last year, there was a story uh, about Mark Wahlberg that came out about the, the way he structures his schedule. And it kind of went viral because it was so regimented. 
Because Mark Wahlberg, the clarity he has is he wants to be the greatest actor in Hollywood. And so he disciplines himself. He gets up at the, he, the way his schedule went. He gets up at 2.30 a.m. every morning and goes to bed at 7.30 p.m. every night. And in the midst of that, works out several times during that time and schedules every single minute of that day between those hours. And by doing that, in 2017, he made $68 million and was the highest paid actor in Hollywood because he had clarity on who he is and lived his life with consistency. As Christians, I think we are also supposed to have clarity on who we are and certainly to live our lives with consistency and in line with who we are. So I want to look at these kind of two questions in Second Peter today of who are you and what uh, are you supposed to be doing or what are we supposed to be doing? Uh, because when you have clarity, you can have consistency. So Second Peter chapter 1, we're going to be in this passage throughout the month of January looking at different aspects of it. But this morning I'm going to read verses 3 through 11. Second Peter chapter 1 verses 3 through 11. If you... Uh, don't have a Bible with you, you're welcome to pick one up in your chair, in the chair rack, and if you do, I think it's about page 1018 in the Bible in your chair rack. As you're turning there, let me just tell you a little bit of the context. Peter was a disciple of Jesus, an apostle of Jesus. It's the Peter, the Peter you hear about walking on water, the Peter you hear about uh, denying Jesus. This is that Peter, follower of Jesus, uh, knew Jesus, that Peter, and he's writing in his older latter days of life. He knows he doesn't have much time left. And he's writing to people who follow Jesus, to Christians, and he's trying to warn them. He's warned them about false teachers, saying there's going to be false teachers that'll come along. They'll try and seduce you away from following Jesus. They'll scoff at some of the things you believe. And he's really writing kind of knowing that he's not going to be around very long and wanting to make sure they have things in line. And so in this passage, I think he's very clear on who they are. He wants to be clear on that. And what they are supposed to be doing or how they are supposed to live. Who are you and how are you supposed to live? Second Peter chapter 1 verse 3. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. By which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you may become partakers of the divine nature, having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue, and virtue with knowledge, and knowledge with self-control, and self-control with steadfastness, and steadfastness with godliness and godliness with brotherly affection, and brotherly affection with love. For if these qualities are yours and are increasing, they keep you from being ineffective or unfruitful in the knowledge of our Lord Jesus Christ. For whoever lacks these qualities is so nearsighted that he is blind, having forgotten that he was cleansed from his former sins. Therefore, brothers... Be all the more diligent to confirm your calling and election. For if you practice these qualities, you will never fall. For in this way, there will be richly provided for you an entrance into the eternal kingdom 
of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Lord, we thank you for your word. We thank you for these moments together. We pray that your Holy Spirit would lead us even as we open up your word. Lord, let these be your words, not my words. And Lord, let them speak life to us and help us to gain an understanding so that we may live our lives more pleasing to you. In Jesus' name, amen. Second Peter in this passage answers these two questions. Second Peter. Yes, Second Peter is the name of the book. But Peter, actually. I don't think his friends called him Second Peter. Um, <laughs> Peter in this passage answers these questions. Who am I? And how am I to live? Who am I and how am I to live? And gaining clarity on who am I uh, gives us an understanding of how we are to live. So let's look at this first question, who are you? And Peter gives us at least two uh, ideas, but two I want to park on today, just for a couple minutes, on who you are. If you are a follower of Christ, if you follow Jesus and you call him your Lord, there are some things that the Bible says that are true about you because you are a Christian, because you follow Jesus. Two in particular. One, it says you are a partaker by which he has granted to us his precious and very great promises so that through them you become, you, Christian, follower of Jesus, you become partakers of the divine nature. You, who you are, is a partaker of the divine. That doesn't mean you're God. Doesn't mean you become God. That's not, let's not get, go down that road. But it does mean there's a part of you that when you start to follow Jesus that becomes very much like God. Now certainly you have eternal life. That's like God. But there is a, also an aspect of you that Peter's talking about, a moral excellence that's, that you're becoming made into that is like God. Now, you're not going to be sinless this side of heaven, but what Peter's saying is you can sin less. You're becoming more like God. Or one way that historical Christianity has said it through the ages is this way, that you, as the follower of Jesus Christ, have been saved from the penalty of sin. You're being saved from the power of sin. And you will one day be saved from the presence of sin. You are partakers of the divine nature. You are becoming and being saved from that power of sin over your life. You are a partaker of the divine nature. You have God's Holy Spirit. If you are a follower of Jesus, here's what happens. As soon as you put your faith in Jesus Christ, his spirit comes to dwell and live within you. And you become a vessel that then holds the spirit, the very spirit of God. And Peter says, make no mistake about it, you are a partaker of the divine nature. So when you think about how you're going to live your life, live it in light of that fact. Secondly, you're not only a partaker, you're also an escaper. Having escaped from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. There's this part of just by being nature, being in this world, that if you pursue all your desires, that it corrupts your thinking and your heart and your wants and your desires. And Peter is saying, look, who you are is your people who have been saved by Jesus Christ as you put your faith in him. You escape that corruption that is a part of this world. You escape that corruption that could come into your mind and your heart. And there's this, again, Peter's talking about there's this moral excellence that you're supposed to uphold the way you're supposed to live your life is supposed to reflect the God that you serve. 
You're a partaker of the divine nature, and you are an escaper of the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire, that you escape that. And that nature of uh, that aspect, that is who you are in God. You may not think of yourself that way, but that's who you are when you follow God. You're a partaker in the divine nature, and you have escaped, and you're escaping from the corruption that is in the world because of sinful desire. And you are becoming more and more like Jesus. And that's the goal. If, I'm not sure if you're new to church or new to following Jesus. Maybe no one's told you. That's the goal, that you and I would become more like Christ. That in our lives and the way we live, that he would be not just our Savior <clears throat> that saves us from sin, but he would be the Lord that we follow and that our lives would begin to look like his. Um, and so that's who you are. But the question is then, how are you to live? How are you to live in light of this? And in verse 5, it says, For this very reason, make every effort to supplement your faith with virtue and virtue with knowledge. And then it goes on, continues from there, knowledge with self-control, self-control with steadfastness, steadfastness with godliness, and godliness with brotherly affection. You are to live lives of moral integrity, live lives that are good and loving and brotherly affection and filled with faith and virtue. Those are the lives that God has called you to live. And I think it's important to note in this verse, it says, make every effort. The faith that you have is not opposed to effort. The gospel is opposed to earning. You can't earn it. It's a gift from God through Jesus Christ. But it is not opposed to effort. You and I are called to effort towards this godly life that God has called us to. You and I are called to discipline our lives in such a way that we would make every effort to supplement. We don't create our faith, but it should come alongside our faith, virtue and knowledge and all these other things that Peter talks about. This is how you and I are to live. You're partaker of divine nature and you are an escaper from the corruption of the world and you and I are to live with these moral integrity issues that we're going to talk more about in the future weeks. But this morning I want to kind of zero in on this question and that's this. How do you get there? How do you avoid the restaurant situation? How do you keep your life consistent? If you lack consistency, I think many times it's because you lack clarity. We lack consistency because we lack a clear view about who we are. The truth is God has given you and I everything you need to live with clarity and consistency. God has given you everything you need to live with clarity and consistency. In fact, God has given you everything you need to live the life he's called you to live. There's no one in here who's facing anything that God has not already given you the strength to live a godly life in the midst of it. There's, there's nothing that's going to come your way. There's no surprise that you're going to face that God will not and has not already given you what you need 
to live a godly life in the midst of it. And you say, how can you make that promise? Well, it's not me making that promise. God says this in verse 3 of of, uh, 2 Peter. His divine power has granted to us all things that pertain to life and godliness. Everything that you need in every situation you will face, that challenge you might face at work, that difficulty you might face in that relationship, that place in school where you are challenged and you are continually maybe scoffed and difficult place that you face, every place that you are and everything that you need, God will give you to live a godly life in the midst of it. To live that consistent life in the midst of it. God will not call you without equipping you for the work that he's called you to. That's a promise that I think many, maybe that's just all you needed to hear this morning. Because maybe you're facing a situation that you thought you were facing in your own strength. And that you thought you had to handle in your own strength. But God this morning wants you to know that his divine power has granted you all things that pertain to life and godliness. He's given you everything you need to live a godly life for him in the midst of the place where you are. But still, the how question. How do I get, okay, God's given me it, but what has he given me? One thing he's given you is this, through the knowledge, oh, go back there, through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Through the knowledge of him. Well, he's given you everything you need. Great. No problem. I'm all set. I'll just take that and go and live the life and live my life. Well, one more step. (laughs) Through the knowledge of him who called us to his own glory and excellence. Well, what does that mean? It means that how I'm supposed to live is based in who I am, which is revealed through him, which is Jesus, and through the knowledge of him. So how I get to know who I am is through understanding more who Jesus is and who God is. That I need to understand more who he is. That I need to grow in knowledge of him. And when I grow in knowledge of him, it becomes clearer and clearer who I am and how I'm supposed to live. It's not just this, I come to Jesus and then I just move on to everything else in my life. You are supposed to grow in your knowledge of Jesus. You are supposed to grow in your understanding of him. You're not going to have everything you need instantly transported into your mind uh, without learning and studying. Now, can the Holy Spirit does that? Does he do that at times? Absolutely he does. But he's also giving you something to grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ. Now, for the people that Peter's writing to, they had Peter. He was talking to them. He was writing to them. He was with Jesus. He could tell them, this is what Jesus is like. Grow in your knowledge of him. Grow in your understanding of him. I was with him. We have Peter too. And we have Mark and Matthew and Luke and John and Paul. And how do you grow in your knowledge of Jesus Christ by spending time in the word that God has given you. So 
how you live your consistent life is by having clarity of who you are. How you gain clarity of who you are is through knowledge of Jesus Christ. How you gain knowledge of Jesus Christ is by spending time in the word of God, understanding who God is. And it gives you a greater understanding of who you are. I don't know of any other way for a Christian to gain clarity on who you're supposed to be and how you're supposed to live than by getting and spending time in this word. Uh, there'd be people that might come up to me and say, Pastor, I'm not, I'm not hearing from God. And my first question is, are you reading the scriptures? Are you in the scriptures? Because God's got a lot to say to you. And he's got a lot to say to me. But I have to spend time in these scriptures. Now, if you've been at Mount Hope for a few years, this does not surprise you. In fact, you may have driven in here this morning thinking it's the first Sunday of the year. You made a bet with your spouse in the car. Pastor's going to preach about Bible reading. Because it's the first Sunday of the year, and for the last 12 years, on the first Sunday of the year, Pastor has preached about Bible reading. And if you thought that and had that conversation on the car ride over and on the way over, then you probably fell in one of two categories. One category, you said, pastor's going to preach about Bible reading. And you're thinking, I hope he talks about it, gives us a Bible reading plan, and I, I love this Sunday. Or, fell into the category of, pastor's going to preach about Bible reading. <laughs> And I don't I know what he's going to say. And oh, I'm going to go. And it, whichever category you fell in, I'm guessing, just a guess, may be determined by whether you're actually doing Bible reading or not. <laughs> because if you're in the second category, you probably are thinking, oh, man, I know I'm supposed to be, but I'm not doing it. Now he's going to preach about it. Now I'm going to feel guilty about it. Now I'm going to, and now, oh, I'm going to listen to this. And here's the thing. I'm not here to make you feel guilty about your Bible reading. I'm not here to beat you up about it or anything. I'm not here to be the dentist that's telling you to floss. And, you know, even if you floss, you're not flossing enough. You know, you can never floss. And I'm not here to do that. But I am here to say that we will never apologize for encouraging you and imploring you to read your Bible at Mount Hope. Because there is no other way, there is no other prescription, there is no other thing I can tell you that will help your growth in the Lord than for you, yourself, to get into this book and to spend time listening to what God has to say to you. So yes, it's the first Sunday of the year, and just as I've done every Sunday for 12 years, I will encourage you to start this year and whatever you've done last year reading your Bible, I don't know, if you've been great at it, great. Went through it twice this year, Kelly? Five times. All right, if you've done great at it, great. <laughs> I, I just knew I could pick on Kelly because I know five times through it this year, so that's great. If you've done great on your Bible reading, great. But if you haven't and you, you just, you're like, I tried, I started, I get page one, word one, did great right up to about Valentine's Day and then it just kind of fell off. Look, this year, start it again. Pick it up and start getting into the Word because there's no other way that you're going to gain clarity on who you are and who God is than if you get and spend time in this book. We've got some wonderful ways that can help you do that here. 
You got precepts on Monday nights, starts next week. Precepts on Monday nights will teach you, if you, if you haven't been out there, it will teach you how to study your Bible. It will teach you how to inductively study your Bible, to ask questions of the text and to learn from it. You've got other places, some community groups that study the Bible. Uh, men, Saturday morning, yesterday at 6 a.m. Every Saturday morning, there's a 6 a.m. prayer meeting that meets right here. And I'll tell you a secret about it. It's not really a prayer meeting. Well, it is a prayer meeting. That's not true. Edgar would get mad at me if I said, it is a prayer meeting. But the first part of it's a Bible study. And those men will sit down for the first few minutes and open up the Bible and talk about and listen to what God has to say to them and then pray for each other and pray for the church. And if you need a place, you need a consistent place once a week, come to discipline yourself to read the Bible. Come out at 6 a.m. on Saturday morning with those men and open up God's word together. But then I encourage you also for a Bible reading plan. And I'm going to give you a Bible reading plan. The ushers are going to hand one out, one I put together a few years ago and I gave you a few years ago, but I want to talk to you about it a little bit this morning. There are plenty of Bible reading plans out there, which is why I don't always give you one every year on the first Sunday anymore, because when I started this 12 years ago, 13 years ago, um, there were no iPhones, you, there were no apps, you, you know, you couldn't, you had to actually have a paper reading plan or go find one online. Now, if you get the Bible Project app, if you've got version, those are both great apps that provide um, Bible reading plans right in the app, right in the software. You can start one. Or just Google Bible reading plans and you will have more Bible reading plans than you know what to do with on a Google search. But, uh, so you can, so I don't need to provide you with that. You don't have to, and here's the thing with Bible reading plans. Again, remember why we're doing it. We're doing it to gain clarity. You do not have to read the entire Bible through in a year. That's great if you do. That's not in the Bible. There's no 11th commandment that says read the entire Bible through in a year. It's wonderful. You can do it. I encourage you. That's okay. You can do it, but it's arbitrary. That's kind of something we've decided we like doing sometimes, and that's good. If you've never read the Bible all the way through, then maybe you'll do it in a year, and that'd be great. You can check off the boxes and do it, and that's wonderful. But here's the thing that I want you to consider. I want you to consider quality time over quantity time. Because sometimes when we do quality, quantity time, and I'm going to get through it in a year, all the goal is is to check the box. These three chapters, check the box, move on to my next thing. These three chapters, check the box, move on to my next thing. Just check, 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 check. Oh, I missed five boxes, five days, I got to catch up. Oh, I missed it, I don't catch up, I quit. And that's sometimes how it goes. But I want you to consider quality time. I want you to consider learning. Because what the Bible does say about reading the Bible is things like meditate on the Word of God. Spend time listening to the Word of God. So I want you to consider quality time over quantity time. And here's one, here's one way you can do it. So this Bible plan I, I gave you out a couple years ago. Uh, it's one I came up with um, because I just wanted to know, look, how long does it take to actually read through certain books of the Bible? And so I sat down over the course of a year and I read through all the books and I literally took out my phone and timed myself on how long it takes to read through a certain book of the Bible. Um, and that's what you have on that right side. So those aren't inches and feet, um, just so you know. Genesis is not three feet long and Ecclesiastes is not 25 inches. Those are hours and minutes like they would on longitude and latitude, right? So on a compass, right? So you got... Genesis is three hours, took me three hours to read it. Exodus took me two hours and 50 minutes. Now, 
when I handed this out a few years ago, someone said to me, Pastor, you read too fast. I don't feel like I read fast, but maybe this is a little faster than you would read, and that's okay. But it's just, it gives you a ballpark of, of what it is. Second thing to notice on this is that Psalms and Proverbs don't have times next to them. Some of you may have noticed that already. The reason Psalms and Proverbs don't have times next to them is because I don't think Psalms and Proverbs were meant to be read in one sitting. They are individual chapters, individual songs, individual proverbs. So I, don't, I didn't time myself on that because my intention was not to sit down and read the book of Proverbs in one sitting um, or all at once. I think you can read a chapter a day, a couple chapters a day on Psalms and Proverbs and, and do it that way. Um, so, but I want you to notice, I think what surprised me about this is how many books can be read in less than an hour or less than a half hour. Now, my goal is not for you to say, wow, I can knock this out in 15 minutes and move on. No, 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 no. <laughs> my goal is for you to see that you can read 1 Timothy in 15 minutes. And here's my quality over quantity challenge to you. And this, if you don't want to do this, it's fine. This is a suggestion. Choose 12. Choose 12 this year and spend the entire month on one book and read it every day of that month. And each time you read it, you can listen, pray about it, journal about it, listen to the Lord about it, and I promise you by the end of that month, you will have a greater understanding of that single book, that single passage. Memorize verses, write down, you know, you see a verse that strikes you and that God highlights, the Holy Spirit highlights to your heart, then write it out, put it on your mirror. You know, we put them on, you know, mirrors beside your sink, wherever you are, you know, put it there so you can read it over where you can memorize it and allow the Lord to speak to you through his word. Because here's what I know, here's, here's what I believe. God's word is living and he still speaks through it. And I believe that if we will submit ourselves to listening to it, that we will hear God's voice through it. So I encourage you, if you've never done this before, then I encourage you to look at the New Testament and choose some of these books. And just say, you know what, the month of January, I'm going to be in Ephesians. 25 minutes. I can take 25 minutes each morning. I can take 25 minutes and I can read Ephesians every morning. And the first morning, you know, oh, this is new. I don't know, the second morning, by the end of the first week, I'm like, okay, I know what it's saying. But that's when you take the time. Now I'm going to journal about it. Now I say, God, here's what I see in this passage. God, what's this passage saying to me? And then throughout the month, I believe God will speak to you and will also begin, you'll begin to hear God in greater ways. I don't think there's any other way, any better way to gain clarity than to spend time in God's word. And you can do it. Please, I guess the biggest thing I want you to hear this morning is don't get discouraged. Don't get discouraged if you've tried this before. It's, just, it's a new year. You don't mind starting a new gym membership. You, you didn't do that last year. You didn't fulfill that last year. You're gonna try that again. So try this again. Get into God's word. Allow him a chance to speak to you. To live with clarity, do not change the Bible to fit your life. Allow your life to be changed by the Bible. That's what we believe at Mount Hope. We're not going to change Scripture to fit our lives. What we need to do in order to be pleasing to God and live lives of consistency is we change our lives to fit the Bible. That's the lives that we want to live. And that's ultimately what we're talking about. How do we get people... How do I... You know, live consistently. Why is it my son knows enough to say, nice job, pastor? 
because he has enough understanding of God's word to know that's not the way that you're supposed to live and act in that situation or that you want to live and act in that situation. When we read the Bible, we gain clarity on who we are and how we're supposed to live. And then we change our lives in the light of that and we become more like Christ. So let me just, as we close, uh, I thought about, I wanted to share at least one story with you of a life of someone making a change a drastic change in their life based on hearing from God. And I thought about it, I thought, well, there's really no better. I know some of you saw this already, but many of you might not have. If you were with us on Thanksgiving Eve this year, you saw this story already, but many of you weren't there. But I thought there was a few better stories I can think of, of someone making a radical change in their life based on a word from God is the Weir's story. Now, what you see in this four-minute video uh, doesn't reflect the about two hours more than that that fell on the chopping room floor of videos, <laughs> um, uh, much more than that. It's probably half a day worth of stuff that we, that we had to get down to a four-minute video. So you don't hear the entire story, but you'll hear that they received, they both received a word from God and they responded to it. But what you don't hear, as I talked to David and Therese, is that God used scripture as well. God used scripture to let them know that this is who he is. This is who he's called them to be. And that he had something that he wanted them to do in their life in order to change their life. Because the scripture that they hang on to is James chapter 1, verse 27. That pure religion and undefiled before God the Father exists. To visit the widows and the orphans in their affliction and to keep oneself unstained from the world. And they had that scripture that God had given them but it had to be lived out consistently in their life. And it meant a radical change to their family and how they were going to live. So watch just how one family responded to God's word. I was at a women's conference with my best friend. And there was a speaker there that talked all about being at an orphanage in China and how she cared for babies there. And when I was at the women's conference, the Holy Spirit came down on me so powerfully. I thought all the air in the room was gone, and I could hardly breathe. And the Lord was telling me, you need to go get those babies. And I remember thinking, no, I'm too old. I can't do that. We, I have high school kids. I have junior high kids. We, we can't do that. So I was stubborn. I wasn't going to even tell David about it. I'm not going to tell anybody about it. It's just, because you know what? It's just going to go away. And then the next Sunday, my husband tells me when we're sitting in the parking lot of Olive Garden, he looks at me before we got out and says, I had a vision in church. I thought, no way, you don't have visions. And he said, I had this vision. The banners in our church, it says, look out to the fields. They are white unto harvest. And he said to me in the car, he said, all I can see is little bundles and baskets of babies of guess what country? China. And you know what? We have to go get them. So of course... 
I had to tell him I broke down crying. I had to tell him exactly what happened to me at the women's conference then. And we knew that obviously this is a direct call from the Lord to, for us to go and adopt children. So about a week later, we were in an adoption agency. And sure enough, um, we said it's China. And we got all our paperwork together. And close to two years later, um, we got a little baby girl, Morgan. She was uh, just under one years old. And we brought her home um, two years later. Um, we, we did it again. Two years later, we brought uh, Madison home. So those were our first two children. Uh, Brooklyn and Jordan were rather young, three and five years old when we adopted them. And then we started to host children. Ava, David, and Grace are hosted from Ukraine. And then we obviously adopted them. Um, Daniel, uh, we hosted from Columbia last summer, and we'll be adopting him. And we actually got a call from our Chinese adoption agency. Uh, how many years? 12 years? 12 no, years tw later. 12 years after we filed yeah. for adoption in China, we finally get uh, the call that, hey, they finally are letting you adopt from, from China. So we did get uh, a Carson. So hosting is what I tell people to do if they're considering adoption, is just host a kid. It doesn't cost much, like 2500 bucks, and there are lots of uh, different scholarships where you don't grants where you don't have to pay that much and then for a month or six weeks in the winter and summer you can uh, see how this how another child in your family fits and you'd be surprised how easy it is to say wow I, I can open my heart up I can I God will provide and this this will be a blessing this will be something that will be the greatest thing you ever did Yep. And it won't be just you saying it, but your child will be saying it too. So David and Therese, they were in the first service, and uh, they were here this morning. Of course, they're kids. I'm not, I'm not showing you the video. I love what David and Therese did. I'm not showing you the video to say God's telling you to adopt nine, or now soon to be 11 kids that they're going to. Maybe he is, but that's not the point. The point is a couple who heard God's voice, who heard a word from God, who get, got a scripture from God, and then said, we've got to change the way we're living to be brought into consistency with the word that God is giving to us. Those are the lives that God has called us to live. Now, I will tell you, you know, what I'm telling you today, it's, it's not easy. And don't be surprised that you start getting into this word and all of a sudden God gives you something challenging to do. God calls you to do something that you've never done before. But that's the life of the Jesus follower that we would go in and listen and say, God, speak. Your servant is listening. How do you want me to live? Who are you? Who am I? And how am I to live in response to it? We at Mount Hope want to be people who live 
in response and accordance to the word of God. Here's how I'd like us to respond this morning. Team's going to sing a song. I don't want you to stand. I want you to stay seated. I want you to take out that Bible reading plan. I want you to take out a pen. Because here's what's going to happen. You're going to leave here and you've got a million other things to do. And you're going to say, oh, I'll think about that tonight. And you won't. You go to bed late. And you say, I'll think about that tomorrow. And by Wednesday, you've lost that sheet of paper. So here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you a few minutes right now. Just as the team sings. If you're open to doing this, or maybe you're going to do a larger plan. You're going to do more than just one a month, whatever. But if you're open to just doing this in the quality time of a quality time that I just talked about, I want you to circle 12. Here's the 12 that I'm going to look at this year. And put a month by it. I'm going to do this one in January. I'm going to spend January in, in the book of Romans. Or I'm going to spend February in Acts. And I'm going to read it again and again. Maybe you'll take the first eight chapters or the first ten chapters and you're going to divide it up. Uh, maybe you'll take, you know, maybe you'll do Acts over three days. And then you'll repeat it over the next three. Repeat it over the next three. But just take the next few minutes, ask the Lord, and just make your commitment. Say, God, this is what I'm going to do. And maybe if you've never done this before, then I'd say start out with something. Start out with one of those, you know, ones that just look at it and say, I'm going to take Colossians. We, we preached about Colossians last year. What's Colossians take? What's that, 15 minutes? Colossians, 20 minutes. I'm going to take Colossians. And I'm going to read it every day for the next month, for all of January. And I'm just going to ask, Lord, what do you want to say to me? And so I'm just going to give you these next few minutes, just between you and the Lord, to take some time and plan out how in 2020 you will come to God's Word and hear from Him, that He might speak to you, that you might have clarity and live your life consistently with how He's called you to live. Lord, lead us now. Father, we want to know you more. We want more clarity in our vision so that we might have more consistency in our lives. So we pray that you would lead us in this in Jesus' name.